stood on the shore, yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to them, children, do you have any fish? They answered him, no. He said to them, cast the net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. So they cast it and now they were not able to haul it in because of the quantity of fish. That disciple whom Jesus loved therefore said to Peter, it is the Lord. When Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his outer garment for he was stripped for work and he threw himself into the sea. The other disciples came in the boat, dragging the net full of fish, for they were not far from the land, but about a hundred yards off. When they got out on land, they saw a charcoal fireplace, fire in place with fish laid out on it and bread. Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish that you have just caught. So Simon Peter went aboard and hauled the net ashore full of large fish, 153 of them. And although there were so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. Now none of the disciples dared to ask him, who are you? For they knew it was the Lord. Jesus came and took the bread and gave it to them, and so were the fish. This was now the third time that Jesus had revealed to the disciples after he was raised from the dead. When they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, feed my lambs. He said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, tend my sheep. He said to him the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he had said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Truly, truly, I say to you, when you were young, you used to dress yourself and walk wherever you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and another will dress you and carry you where you do not want to go. This he said to show by what kind of death he was to glorify God. And after saying this, he said to him, follow me. This is the word of the Lord. In that great book. In that great book. (laughs) In that great book. In that great book. Which really isn't a book, but is a movie about a grandfather reading a book to his grandson, 
which may have been a book before it became a movie, but I don't think it was, but that's beside the point. In that great movie that's about a book being read by a granddad to his grandson, there are multiple characters. But my favorite character is Inigo Montoya. It was a book. Thank you. Awesome. It was a book, then a movie, then a... So it's a book about a book being read that became a movie. He's my favorite character. And, and all of you probably can repeat some of his lines. His most famous being, my name is Inigo Montoya. You killed my father. Prepare to die. That's a great line. But another great line that he says, which is, I, I think, applicable, which is probably why I'm talking about it, to what's happening here, is he's sitting there drunk because all the world has fallen apart, right? Like he had this identity that was wrapped up in finding this six-fingered man, and he was hitched his wagon to criminals in order to accomplish that, and it had all fallen apart. And so he's back to being a drunkard. And he's sitting there. And Andre the Giant's character, which for some reason just now his character's name left my head, comes up and finds him. And he says, as they're, the brute squad's trying to get him out of the place, as they're preparing for the wedding, he says, Fezzik told me to return to where it began. To come back to where it began, where he found me. Peter after Jesus has appeared to them twice, says, I'm going fishing to the beginning. I'm going to return to the thing that I once knew I was going to do, that I once knew that I was good at. I'm going to go back to the thing because my expectations of what was going to happen still haven't been fulfilled. I thought Jesus was the Messiah. Yes, he's shown himself. I still know that he's resurrected from the dead, but I'm going fishing. Because I know that. And he drags people along with him. I'm going back to the beginning. In, in our world, in our lives, there are disappointments that happen. There are places of suffering that seep in. There are things that take place that shake us to our core. And often in those moments, we think to ourselves, what's the thing that I can control? What's the thing I'm good at so that I can feel some sort of security, some sort of assurance that everything's going to be all right? I'm going back to the beginning. I'm going to find the thing that I can do. And that's not unheard of for Peter, actually. Peter is filled with opportunities all throughout, we see in all the Gospels, of him operating in his own strength. Him going forth and saying, I'm going to take care of this. I'll do this. Why wouldn't I? Wash all of me then, Jesus. I'll never betray you, Jesus. We see that happen early When Jesus has given them a new commandment just after he's washed their feet in chapter 13, Simon Peter says, Lord, where are you going? Because he says, where I'm going, you cannot go. And Jesus answers him, where I am going, you cannot follow me now, but you will go there. See, he knew that Peter was wanting to do it in his own strength. I'll go wherever you go. I'll follow you wherever you go. And Peter says, Lord, 
Why can I not follow you now? I will lay down my life for you. I mean, that's very valid. And, 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 and that, that's something to be like, yeah, Peter's a good guy. Like he wants to follow Jesus, but he's doing it in his own strength. And the Lord says to him, will you lay down your life for me? Truly, I say that you will. But before the rooster crows, you will have denied me three times. And so he goes fishing. And while they're fishing, Jesus appears on the shore, which is pretty awesome. And here's the interesting thing about it. These men were not amateur fishermen. They are professional fishermen. And they cast their nets all night long, and they catch babkas, nothing. Now, many of you go out fishing, and I really love it when you get a catch because you sometimes share it with me. But how frustrating would it be for you to be out all night and have nothing? Nothing. Especially if that's what you did for a living before. You have to be thinking in your mind, it's been three years. We've been following this guy for three years. We gave up our profession for three years and nothing happened the way it was supposed to happen. And in your own strength, you're trying to make it happen. And they look off and they see someone. And that someone says, hey, have you caught any fish? And they say, no. And he says, throw it over on the other side. And yet, for some reason, they do. Maybe they're like, well, we might as well. And when they throw it over the other side, fish just start jumping into the net like crazy. And John realizes that it's Jesus. And he says, that's the Lord. And what does Peter do? He abandons them all. He jumps in the water. Now, we look at that and we go, oh, that's great. He wants to get to Jesus as soon as possible. But yet again, it's in his own strength. I've got to get to where Jesus is. I've got to move myself there. They're 100 yards out, not very far. They're going to make it in quickly. He could have stayed and helped them all. But in his own strength, he's like, I need to get there as quickly as possible. I want to go back to the beginning. What am I good at? I'm good at running my own life. I'll get there. And so he finally does, and then he goes back and he helps get fish. And they have dinner together. Breakfast, they eat. How great is that? But I have to think that Peter, while he's sitting there, and he's smelling the charcoal fire that's burning, the only other time we see mentioned about charcoal fire is when, Jesus, when Peter denies Jesus just a, a few days before. That's the only time it appears in any of the Gospels. And so you have to think that John, through God for a reason, is, is letting us know that these things are parallel, that they go together, that this is a continuation. So Peter maybe is smelling the charcoal fire, and he's beginning to think, in my own strength, I said I would never deny Jesus. I would go and give my life for Jesus, and yet I denied him three times, just like he said I would before the rooster crowed. Don't smell sometimes bring back memories for you? And so he, and he's probably eating there thinking, what's Jesus going to do? What's he going to say to me? How's this going to go? I mean, I showed him that I wanted to be with him. I, I showed him how much I wanted to be with him by jumping out of the boat and leaving the guys there. Like, that's got to be good for something. And Jesus finally pulls him aside. And he asks him, first of all, do you love me more than these? <laughs> what an interesting question. 
Because it falls into the temptation of Peter's heart. See, Peter is operating wanting to walk in his own strength. So if you ask me if I love you more than these guys, then I can definitely say yes to that. Because I know I love them more than, <laughs> love you more than them. Right? P- Peter is thinking, I- I'm the one that, that wanted to give my life up for you. I'm the one that cut off that ear. I'm, I'm the guy that got as close to you as I'm the guy that jumped out of the boat. Don't you know that I love you? Do you love me more than these? He's cutting to the heart of it. Yeah, you know I love you. And Jesus says, feed my sheep. Jesus then says, do you love me, Peter? And Peter says, yes, I love you. And he says, tend to my sheep. And then he says a third time, do you love me? And here is where Peter begins to recognize he maybe has not been answering correctly. (laughs) That maybe there's something that Jesus is wanting him to see about his own heart. And in fact, Jesus is saying, do you really love me? And that's when Peter says, you know everything. (laughs) Only you know whether I love you or not. You know that I do. And he says, feed my sheep. What an amazing thing takes place there. And for us in our encounter with the resurrected God, it gives us assurance that God's kindness leads us to repentance and God restores us when we've fallen. That he works to bring us back to the place of fellowship with him. That he works to realign our hearts so that we know his love for us empowers us to love him. See, Jesus is just not wanting to ask him three times because he's dissecting Peter's heart. He's asking him three times so that Peter can be assured that it is in Christ's strength that he is forgiven. That I've taken care of those three things. He wants to make sure that those three denials are not thought of as failures anymore. I'm going to do it three times, just like you denied me three times. So you will know for sure that it's covered. Not by you, not by the work you've done, but by me. Just like he had done earlier in the passage by saying, cast the nets on the other side. It wasn't by their strength. They knew it was miraculous. How do we know that they know it's miraculous? Because John said, that's Jesus. Something has happened. And so when we encounter the resurrected Jesus, we are reminded that it is his strength that things are made new. That it is in him that things are made right. And so in some sense, we all have to go back To the beginning. But not the beginning of our own strength, but the beginning of God's pursuit for us. Where he comes as Christ to die and be risen again, to empower us. And so when we are feeling frustrated, when we are seeing the world collapse, when our expectations are not met, it is good for us to know that we can go back to the beginning, which is to rest in Christ. 
And here's the great thing, that when we do fail and when we do falter, we know that Christ comes to us to restore us in a way that releases us to serve him. That's what he does for Peter there. He releases Peter to serve. If you love me, feed my sheep. If you love me, tend to my sheep. If you love me, feed my sheep. I have something for you to do. And it's not fishing. (laughs) It's not the thing that you think you're good at. It's actually probably the thing that you think you're not good at. I want you to go share who I am. Now, there's this little side thing that happens because then he tells Peter how he's going to die. And it's very sort of hidden in how he says it. But he says your arms are going to be stretched out and somebody else is going to dress you. We know that Peter ends up being crucified. There's this amazing situation here where he's saying, look, your life's not going to be easy after this. It would be better for you to just fish and not catch fish all day because that's hard, but it's not going to be what you run into. And so it's a good reminder for us when we encounter the resurrected God, when our expectations actually get transformed to the expectations of what Jesus has, that it doesn't necessarily mean life gets easy. That walking with the resurrected Christ, we still experience suffering. But that suffering is not given to us because we're not faithful enough. That suffering doesn't come to us because um, we deserve it in some way. That suffering comes to us because we live in the world. And in that, God works within that suffering for his glory. Peter knows that quite well, and he even alludes to it when he's writing his letter. In 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 12, he says, Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you, as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice insofar as you share Christ's suffering, that you may also rejoice and be glad When his glory is revealed. Verse 19. Therefore let those who suffer according to God's will. Entrust their souls to the faithful creator. While doing good. You see in this moment. Of this encounter with the resurrected Christ. We recognize that Jesus is the one who calls us forth. Empowers us to love and serve the way that he has called us to. And all the while he is restoring us with kindness and gentleness. He's bringing us back in with him where we have fallen. And in doing that he reminds us that while we are following him. We will have suffering. But he is good to hold on to us and walk with us. And then he leaves Peter with this, which is a call to all of us. When we encounter the resurrected Christ, the last thing that we hear is follow me. Today, that's what I want you to hear. Follow me. That Jesus is the one who can say that. Why? Because he followed God. John over and over again, Jesus over and over again in this biography that John writes, says, I do what my father tells me to do. 
These are not my words. These are the Father's words. And so where we, when we are desperate, when we are the ones who think nothing has gone right, let's go back to the thing I can control. Jesus comes and he says, I gave all up control. All my control I gave up to do what the Father called me to do, which was to sacrifice. And that enables us then to follow because Jesus has followed the Father. And so we hear him gently say to us, follow. I want you to hear this. God disciplines those that he loves, but he does it with a discipline discipline that is restorative, that brings back in, not retributive, not one that is there to cause pain. He does it to bring us back into wholeness with him and empowers us then to follow Jesus. Let me pray for us. Jesus, you are good. You have called us to follow you, and we are grateful for that. We ask that today you bring us grace and mercy so that we can. And like Peter, we can hear you say, follow me, and then do it. Not in our own strength, not going back to the things that we're good at, but moving into the place that you have empowered us to be. In our weakness, we are made strong through Holy Spirit in you. It's in your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen.